So I've been watching the footy a lot and so our house has been a little bit rowdy. So if you're not like rowdy this morning, it's going to be really disappointing. So can you help me out, please? (laughs) I've noticed I'm missing some of my front row friends and that's a bit sad today. But I don't spit, so if you want to move forward, um, feel free. Is everyone okay? All right, it's going to be a great morning. It's going to be a great morning because we have worshipped God together. And now we're going to hear the Word of God together. And I'm just really excited about that. And I hope that you are too. Um, Congratulations on being here on such a cold morning. Like, well done for getting out of your beds. Was anyone tempted to stay in your beds? Thank you. This is a truthful woman, Leah Morowitz, telling she speaks the truth in love. Awesome. So grab your Bible. If you've got your Bible, we're going to get straight into the Word this morning. And we're going to go to... um, We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. So you can see it on the screen and I'll read it for you as well. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sounds really scary and crazy. Don't worry. We're going to talk about it if you're new, (laughs) if you're visiting. Um, In verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. In verse 14, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which, with, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's interesting, isn't it? The sword of spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Let me pray for one quick second. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for what we've just read now. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we talk about this this morning, that you would speak to each one of us, God. We would not go away having gone through the motions, but you would just be adding to our faith Sunday by Sunday, today included. I thank you for how you will speak in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I think football is stupid. Anybody else? (laughs) Does anyone love the NRL like so much, like you're a diehard fan? Matthew. Really? The what? The Bulldogs. Okay, I have sad news about that, but we'll talk about it later. But how amazing. Matthew loves NRL. I didn't know that. Anyone love it? You love it. Put your hand up. No, it's just a few. I thought so. You are my people. I thought it would only be a few. I think it's pretty stupid, but it is an excuse to like yell and throw things Um, in a way that would just not be acceptable anywhere else, like not be acceptable in public. But if you're watching the footy, it's okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah? No? State of Right? Come on. No. What? Can someone please pray for D for deliverance this morning? No. (laughs) So I don't really really care about it. I don't really care who wins. I don't care. I just like to watch it and yell, except for State of Origin. Yeah, it's true. It's true. (laughs) 
but I just don't care that much about it, particularly just the NRL competition. But I do watch it with my boys for that reason, just so I can yell and throw stuff because it's fun. It's just fun. And so last Friday, I, last Friday, yeah, Isaac and Joseph and I, we watched a game between the Panthers and the Sharks. Did anyone see that game? It was the best game of football I've ever seen, if I liked it, which I don't. But if I do, I would have loved that game. It was so amazing. And um, <laughs> it was amazing because at halftime, it was 18 nil to the Sharks. The Sharks were winning. 18 nil. I know. And, um, and by halftime, we were like, okay, that's it. This is over. Let's just, we're just going to turn the telly off. But we didn't because we're suckers. So we kept watching the halftime banter. And once that was, I'm so glad we didn't turn it off because the second half was incredible. The Panthers made this massive comeback and they were so strategic and it's just like they got this second wind that they didn't have in the first half. And it was so amazing. And I think, and so my observation was this, the Sharks were so far ahead in the first half that their defense actually became lazy in the second half. It just did. Even the end of the first half, they're like, we've got this in the bag and they just stopped trying. And, you know, then they had the little halftime break. And I just think um, they thought that because things were good that they could relax a little bit, right? They thought that because they couldn't see like an immediate threat that they could just kind of take it easy and just take it as it comes. Um, But you guys, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a big deal that they stopped paying attention to their defence. It was a big deal. And within the next 30 minutes, the score was actually equal. They didn't win, okay? They lost by one point. (laughs) The Panthers lost by one point only. But they came back from that... What? No, I don't want to say that. (laughs) I don't want this to be... This is recorded publicly, so... Anyway, the Panthers are awesome is all I'm saying. And um, (laughs) it was actually really incredible. Um, But you guys, the Sharks' defence, it was insufficient. Say insufficient. Their defence was inconsistent. Say inconsistent. And it was unstructured. Say unstructured. (laughs) Insufficient, inconsistent and unstructured. And they were complacent regarding their opponent they were complacent regarding their opponent and I know this is just footy but if you've been in a Christ, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time you'll know that we have a spiritual opponent right we know this we know this to be true and you know in the days in the happy days where things are going well and there's minimal opposition we can become somewhat blasé about the nature of our spiritual life and this is what I want to talk about today we can they, we can become lazy in our spiritual defense N.T. Wright, does anyone know N.T. Wright? Yep, if you don't, read some of his stuff, he's amazing. Um, N.T. Wright puts it like this. This is a little bit of a chunk, but I'm just going to read it to you. It says, The forces of evil that put Jesus on the cross have been seriously upset by the victory of the resurrection. This is like the British way of like losing it. Like he's so excited that Jesus' resurrection has like changed the world, but he just writes, he's been seriously upset by the victory of Jesus' resurrection. He says, they are now positively panic-stricken at the thought that the message of Jesus is everywhere, challenging every power and authority, and that communities loyal to Jesus as Lord and King are springing up bringing together people and communities in a new unity, say a new unity, a new humanity that shows evidence of the creator's sovereign power and hence their own imminent destruction. He says, 
They are therefore doing their best to oppose the gospel, to distract or depress young Christians, to blow them off course by false teaching, by temptations or anger or immorality. Sometimes this attack will take the frontal form of actual authorities in towns and cities. Sometimes it will become more oblique, a more oblique form of persuading Christians to invest time and energy into irrelevant side issues or to become fascinated by distorted teaching. Sometimes, and this is important, it will simply be the age-old temptations of money, sex, power. Then he writes, but in the case, but in each case, what individuals and what the whole church must do is first to recognize that attacks are coming, and second, to learn how to put on their complete armor, which God offers, and third, to stand firm and undismayed. Undismayed, that's a great word, isn't it? So this is not a let's all live in fear message. I'm not into that. I'm not down with that. I love to celebrate life. God is awesome. God is powerful. He is with us. This is not a live in fear message. But this is a let's just remember to put our armor on message. Let's just remember. Let's just remember to do that. So with that in mind, let's take another look at what we've just read. Um, Because As our church grows and as you and I grow in our faith, as you grow in your faith, as you raise your children to know God, as our church begins to flourish even more, um, when all of these things start happening, we need to just be prepared. We need to just be prepared and make sure that we have our armor on. Is that all right? Awesome. So the armor of God is not just for the brave Christians. And that's why I've just called this this morning, One Size Fits All. This is not for the Christians who you think are really holy. They're actually not really holy. They're people just like you. No one is holier. (laughs) We're all the same. One size fits all. God's armor is available to Bubba. It's available to Zoe. It's available to Dee despite her footy affiliations. It's available to Mary. It's available to everybody. This is a one size fits all thing. God's armor, God's protection and wisdom is available to you. It's available to you. So let's look again. We'll start from verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, these two words, against and schemes, I just want to talk about really quickly because they're very interesting. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against. So this word against is not like, it's not like, have you, has anyone ever had like a sibling like run at you, like attack you for whatever reason? I don't know what you've done. Maybe you've stolen their clothes. I don't know. But they just run at you and I've been there and this is, I would just close my eyes like this. I just cover like, just cover my face, protect myself the best I can. So when it says take a stand against the enemy, this word against, it's not actually talking about let's just take our stand and wait till it's over. There's actually a sense of let's keep moving forward, moving toward, moving forward. So when we read this, we, this is not a we are cowering until it's over. <laughs> this is we are, let me read it to you again. We put on, we take our stand against. So we, we're not just closing our eyes. We're moving forward. We're pushing against to gain ground. And then it says the enemy's schemes. Now this word schemes is really cool. It actually means like travesty. Have you ever heard that word? It's a travesty. It also sounds very British. It's a travesty. <laughs> so this is interesting because a travesty is a false, absurd, or distorted representation of something. This is really interesting to me. So it's, it's like saying coriander is good, right? Where's Dan? 
It's like, that's a travesty. Coriander isn't good. What are you talking about? This is absurd. This is distorted. (laughs) Coriander is not good. Maybe one of the biggest weapons of our opponent, our opponent that we've just talked about, isn't necessarily like really scary and wild things. Maybe the travesty of distorting the truth to our detriment, maybe that's his goal. Maybe it is. All the more we need to put our belt of truth on, which we're going to talk about really soon. It's very, it's just so important. So the goal of like distorting the way that you see God and the nature in which you are loved and accepted by God, perhaps this is the travesty. And we are not having that here in our church. We're not having that in your life. We're not having that in my life. Amen. Amen. God is too good and too kind and he will lead us and he is with us. So then it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against Uh, The rulers against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, it says, put on, put on. So we know that this is talking about stuff that we're kind of going to put on like clothing, right? And so when I looked up this um, original word, you can see on the screen there, at the end there, it kind of has this implication of like to invest. We're investing with clothing. All the women are like, yeah, I love to invest with clothing, right? I love to invest with clothing. And, um, and so let me just, I know this is, I'm just playing on this word right now, okay? But let's talk about what it might mean to invest with clothing because we're talking about the full armor of God. So Zoe um, asked us a couple of weeks ago when we were having all the snow and, well, when Armadale tried to snow, but it didn't. Um, we, she was really excited and she's like, Mom, I just, I'd really love a, like a really warm jacket, like a big, you know, like a down jacket. And um, so we're like, great, because, you know, this situation, it was pretty cold in Armadale. So we're like, this isn't a Kmart jacket kind of deal. <laughs> this is like, we need to just take it up a step. And so she's like, can I get a jacket from Armadale outdoors? Ah, oh, pulling out the big guns, right? And so we went into Armadale Outdoors and she had a look at some of the jackets. And at first, she was a little bit shocked at how much they were, like how expensive they were. And so we had to like have this conversation about, yes, it is expensive, but we are, this is an investment. This is an investment. So the more that we invest, the better quality, the warmer it will be and the longer it will last. And so if... If, and I know I'm just playing with the words, but if the armour of God is an investment, we are going to need to give time and resource to it. Time and resource to it. So we don't want to be inconsistent like the sharks. We don't want to be unstructured like the sharks (laughs) with our investment into our protection such that it's insufficient. We are not the sharks. Tell someone next to you we are not the sharks. (laughs) Some of you are like, what even is NRL? Why do I come to this church? I don't know. (laughs) So because of Jesus, we are a new kind of human. Did you know that? Jesus came to initiate a new way of being human that previously was not the case, was not the norm. And so Jesus has called us to be a new kind of human. And if you read the previous chapters of Ephesians and like go back and do that this week, hey, and even today, even this afternoon... Um, This is what Paul's talking about. He's challenging the church in Ephesus. And now, you and I today, as we read, he's challenging us to stand firm in this new reality, this new way of being human, not having our unity with one another or our new way of being human compromised. We're not having that. And so what is this new way of being human? Paul contrasts a new way and an old way earlier in the book, and I'll read some of them to you, with things like this. 
Um, He says we're saved by God's grace, not by anything we can do on our own. That's the old way. We're saved by God's grace, nothing that we could earn. It says in him and through faith, we get to approach God. (laughs) Where previously God was far off and not everybody got to talk to him. We get to do that now because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, God's strength and power is at work with us, in us. And so we're not doing this alone anymore. You have, give, have been given gifts to bless other people and to show the world what God is like. How cool is that? You have those gifts. Paul talks about we're called to maturity that reflects the fullness of God. So that means our life isn't just about us anymore. <laughs> it's not just about us. He says we don't live in sin and hardness of heart. That's the old way, right? That's the old way. But the new way of being human is we put off, talking about clothing again, we put off our old self and we are continually and progressively made new in holiness and in righteousness. And lastly, there is no social hierarchy. No one is better. No one's better than anyone else. How good is that? No one is better except for Queensland. They're the worst. And um, no one is better than anyone else. (laughs) And we submit to one another in love. This is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has leveled the playing field. And I think that is awesome. It's amazing. So tonight when you're hopping into bed, maybe read through chapter 4 and chapter 5. And it will just give you a full picture of the way things were and the way things are now because of Jesus. So these are the things that we are being called now here in chapter 6 to stand firm in. We're not talking about a physical battle anymore. We're talking about we are standing firm in who Christ has made us to be, in who Christ has said that we are because of his sacrifice. So we stand firm now in who we are in Christ. So verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So it's weird to me, and we talked about this in our Connect group, that at the top of the list, out of all the armor you could grab first, Isaac, if you were about to wage war against someone, what weapon would you get first? Anyone? A sword? I'm thinking like a bazooka. Anyone else? No? Um, so it's so weird to me that at the beginning of this list, it's a belt. What? What is that about? What is that about? But Paul's not silly, right? So he's written this for a reason. So we need to look at this. Why is this? Why does the belt come first? Before anything else, why does the belt come first? And um, so in the era that Ephesians was written, you would put on armor in a certain way, right? You would put it on in a certain order, And the belt came first. And all of the other items were attached to the belt or were all relied on the belt to fit properly. So in the same way that Andy, when Andy goes to the fire station at like all hours of the night and there's a fire, he'll go to the station, but he doesn't like rush in and put his helmet on first because that would inhibit everything else that he needs to put on before he puts his helmet on, right? And so it's the same. It's the same with this belt of truth, with the belt of truth. When we're talking about our armor, our protection against the enemy, the belt of truth must come first because all of the other subsequent armor, it relies on the truth of God's word for it to be, for it to work, for it to be good. So this is so important. He puts, so Andy puts the foundational stuff on first and then everything else works as it's applied, as it's applied after that. 
truth is like this, the belt of truth. All other elements of our spiritual armour are subpar at best if we don't first apply and operate according to truth. The truth of who you are in Christ makes provisions for all of the other armour, for everything else. So what questions should we be asking ourselves today? And as we move into this week, having read through this today, having talked about this together and in the weeks and months to come, because every day matters, right? Every day we need to be thinking about this. Every day our armour matters. Every day God is with us. And so what questions do we need to be asking ourselves? Before we ask these questions, I'm going to ask Kesha to come when you're ready. I'm going to read this passage again to you from the message and then we're going to pray for one another. Um, The message just sums it up really well and it says this. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, the well-made weapons of the best materials. So this is important to note. Everything that we need, God has already set out for us. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to conjure up anything. God has provided everything already. Well-made weapons of the best materials. He says, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. He does say, this is not a weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. And then he says, be prepared for you're up against more than you can handle on your own. But are we on our own? No. You're up for more than you can handle on your own, but take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Then he talks about truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Let's learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout this life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and pray long. Pray for your brothers and pray for your sisters. Keep your eyes open and keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls out. No one falls behind and no one drops out. How good is that? No one falls behind, no one drops out. That's our prayer for our church. That's our prayer as individuals that our friends, our family, they wouldn't fall behind, they wouldn't drop out in Jesus' name. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray for a second.